you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. I know that as you, uh, if you've been around church and somebody says Matthew chapter 18, you're thinking of a, a confrontation passage where we're going to go talk to somebody about their sin issues and we're going to get this all sorted out and, and uh, go in a different uh, direction and we will get to that, but we're not going to talk about that this week. Um, as I've been looking through the book of Matthew, especially chapter 18, um, but some things have just been neat to kind of draw my heart to uh, the beginning of the, of the chapter, so I'm going to spend some time with you uh, this morning. But also, to, as you um, come to Matthew chapter 18, there's going to be some things that Jesus is going to give his disciples some instruction on. And so if you, um, around the scriptures, you're reading different things, you're thinking about different things, there's some issues going on as you enter into Matthew chapter 18. You've got Jesus' disciples who've been around with him uh, for three, almost three and a half years. He's done some amazing things with them, and he showed them a lifestyle that now they're kind of going to have a little sideline discussion on. And what's really interesting is what this discussion is really all about. So you've got some guys that are walking with Jesus that are going to ask a question. And I find it kind of humorous that they even have the guts to ask the question. And if you read in a couple of the other gospel accounts, you'll see some other things. So that, but their question is going to be, as you enter into Matthew chapter 18, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And if you look in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, he asked them a question, and then they kept silent, for on their way they had argued with one another about who will be the greatest. Luke chapter 9, verse 46. An argument arose among them as to which of them, the disciples, was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing their reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him at his side. As you enter into Matthew chapter 18, the disciples, the guys that Jesus is going to empower with the Holy Spirit to leave the gospel to go forward. He's walking around with these guys. And they're arguing amongst themselves. Hey, by the way, I think I'm going to be better than you in the kingdom. No, no, no. I think I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And they're walking around with who? Jesus. And Jesus, at all the times in history, he could have stopped and did a miracle and say, by the way, guys, I'm the greatest. Not one time did he ever do that. And so as you interact with with Matthew chapter 18, you get a chance to kind of see some instruction. Jesus is going to be really clear to these guys, and he's not going to say the easiest thing to them. It's fun to sit and sing, you know, Jesus, there is no other name that is above you. Is that true? It is true. Is there any other God that has the power that our God has? No. But do you know that God as king? not just Savior? Do we know that God as Lord? Or we dislike the concept, oh yeah, He loved us. He died on the cross for us. Take your Bibles and look with me in Matthew chapter 18. Verse 1, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to Him a child, He put Him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, 
unless you turn. I think you need to highlight that, highlight that word or circle it. You need to identify that word, okay? We live in a feely generation. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. He says to his disciples in the midst of an argument, hey, who's going to be the greatest? Jesus says, unless you turn. Whoa. Unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless whoever humbles himself, verse 4, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So I have three words for you this morning. I came up with this little acrostic. I mean, you know, Elaine told me I need to say the word acrostic because I, I'm old. I don't do all these little, my daughter has all these little phrases, you know, like when I went to the Bible Institute, we went to the Jack Wurtzen Center. Well, they don't call it that at the Bible Institute anymore. So we were up there a while back, and so they're calling us all these things, like these short abbreviated names. I'm like, Rachel, where in the world are we going? I don't know what this is. Well, she said, Dad, you need to know the shortened version of all these things. So I'm going to give you the shortened version. I think I looked HTL up right on Google. I don't think it means anything that I don't want it to mean. So this is what I want HTL to mean, okay? So I did do a little bit of that research. First off, I want to start with you the word humility. As you enter into Matthew chapter 18, these guys that are walking around with Jesus, the disciples, they do not have humility. And so Jesus looks at them and he says to them, truly I say to you, unless you turn, become like a child. I want to define humility. It's the opportunity for you to lower yourself. It's an opportunity, or there's been situations in your life where God has used someone else to lower you. It's an opportunity for you to say, I'm not as good as what I think I am. I'm going to show you a, a slide as we in a second, and I, it is a little bit funny, but there's some powerful words to this slide. And I think when you read, after you read the funny part of it, you need to pause and ask yourself, is this like you? Unless your name is Google, stop acting like you know everything. Humility. An opportunity for us to say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. That's what he's talking to his disciples about. Guys, it's not about you. Guys, I'm going to pull out an individual, and I'm going to bring a child, and I'm going to set them in front of you. And this is what I'm talking about. So as you think about this, I realize that there are times in a child's life that they just have faith, and then they get a little bit older. And then they, you just ask them, they'll tell you everything that you need to know because they have really become intelligent. Now, they might only be 12, or so, but by golly, they know everything about life. And they don't do a very good job of taking any input. I'm not talking about that child. I don't think Jesus was talking about that child that had all the answers. I think Jesus brought in a little person amongst them and said, live by faith. I remember a time when we were with our kids, and 
Seth loved to be in the water, and so I remember, you know, him standing on the side, and he would jump in, and he would just jump. And he would, you know what I find interesting about him? He never asked me, Dad, did you ever pass a swimming lesson? Dad, do you really know how to swim? He never asked me that. He just jumped. We were in South Africa. We didn't have a bicycle yet for him, but we bought him this little black scooter. And we lived out on this plot, and and there was a wall. And this and it was always something interesting. Seth never liked to do anything slow. If he was going to go his bicycle or he was going to ride the scooter, it always had to be as fast as he could go. Now, he has scars because of his scooter. But I never said to him, by the way, here's a scooter. Go slow. We went on vacation, and he's on this hill. I don't know how he's still alive, to be honest. I'll just tell you that now. He's on this hill, and away he goes. Down the hill, he missed all the trees, and he came back. He was a little scared, but he came back alive. So we were pretty excited about that. There's a phase in a child's life that they just trust their parents. You did this. You bought your kid a bicycle. And then you take the bicycle and you start with training wheels. And then there's something in you as a dad that you really want your kid to get excited and move on. And then what do you do? You take off the training wheels. And taking off the training wheels means that your kid is going to crash. And it's going to hurt. And so you say to the kid, okay, let's go in this direction. Here you go. Ride your bicycle. Ride it fast. And they trusted you even though you said, go ahead and do it. Here you got Jesus with his disciples. They're walking around saying, who's the greatest? Hey, guys, I'll show you the greatest. This one. You know why? He trusts me. He's got faith in me. When I say jump, guess what? He jumps. When I say something, you all are walking around arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And it's interesting. He uses to me, it's interesting he uses to me the, the word turn. Hey, guys, it's all about you right now. You think about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. I want to turn that around, and I want you to trust me. I want you to be humble and come to me for hope and answers. I want you to be like this child and say, hey, here I am. God, what do you want from me? Now, when you read this, I want you to read this very clearly. Humility is a choice that you will make. If you read here, look at Matthew chapter 18. Go down to verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom. The guys that he was talking to, he was saying to them, gentlemen, you will need to make the choice to humble yourself. You will need to make the decision to, to time and time and time again to come to me and say, Dad, what do you want me to do? Father, what's the answer? It's an ongoing thing. It's not just, oh yeah, by the way, and when I, you know, you know when I was a whirly bird, I got saved. I'm still choosing him. I'm still turning to him. I'm still saying to him, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself before you. 
God, I need you more now than when I was a worldly person. It's an ongoing thing. I want to give you a couple verses to go along with this. When you think about humility, this is not what God is thinking. James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Philippians. Take your Bible and go to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I want to I demonstrate to you uh, what humility is, and we'll use Jesus' life to do it. So Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and he wants this church to know what humility looks like. So he gives them some of these words. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Verse 7, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Humility. Jesus said, I will make this decision to die for you. So it's not about, oh, this is my preference. I really like you, God. This is fun. I enjoy my relationship with you, Father. No, he emptied himself. He didn't take his concerns to be, oh, yeah, I I need to be taken care of here. Philippians chapter 3, I'll show you that in just a second. Take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So go to the right in your Bible, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. When I think about humility, I want you to think about 2 Timothy chapter 2. You can start in verse 1, but for time this morning, I want to show you verse 4. Second Timothy 2.4. No soldier gets, in, gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Such his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Isn't the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crop? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Have we thought about, in my relationship with Christ, have I thought about what it means to be a good soldier? If I humble myself and come back and say, okay, listen, this is what you want from me. I do not want to get involved in civilian affairs, so I'm going to come back to you and I want you to show me where I'm being involved in civilian affairs. I guess you can kind of wrap up this whole uh, humility with this little phrase, whoever humbles himself, but I really like this, the thought of humility is when was the last time you said to Jesus, I need your help or something? When was the last time you came to your father and said, you know what, I need to turn from my way, my thoughts, my preferences, what I think is right, and I need to ask you to show me what you want me to do? When was the last time that we've done that? How often last week did you go to God and say, God, what are you, what are you trying to say to me? What do you want to do in my life? I know something that none of you like to ask for help. And most of us won't even ask our spouse for help. But will you ask God for help? 
Will you humble yourself enough and say, God, I need you? I'll show you another one in this HTL concept. I want to show you the word temptation. Take your Bible and go back to Matthew chapter 18. Pick it up in verse 7. I'll come back to verse 5 in just a minute. Woe to the world for temptation to sin. For is it necessary that temptation comes? But woe to the one by whom temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than two eyes than to be thrown into the hell of fire. I've been spending some time just thinking about temptation. It's interesting that the ESV uses the word lured. Now, I realize that Jesus, as he's talking to these disciples, his leaders, and he's really putting some pressure on them. What is the temptation for those guys? The temptation for them is to say, okay, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Well, there's Peter, there's John. Who's going to be the greatest? And these guys got reeled into this so far, they didn't keep their hearts in check. They got reeled in so far that they went to the guy who lived with ultimate humility, and he walked up to them and said, hey, by the way, who's going to be the greatest in the heaven? Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? That's how far these guys have been reeled in to the lie of, you know what, we need to be powerful. We need to be recognized. We need to be leaders. We need a presence in the kingdom. That's how far this has gotten. Do you ever ask yourself why it got this far? You know why it got this far? These men did not take the scriptures and use the scriptures to keep their heart in check. They bought into a lie that's inside of every single one of you. So if you have your Bible, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look at verse 12 in James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am be tempted by God, for God cannot tempt us with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? What does your Bible say? By your own desires. Then desires when they have conceived give birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. This morning as you gather as a family and you look through Matthew chapter 18, every single one of us in this room have a temptation towards sin. But it's not what is going on outside of us is where we're tempted. Now we are being tempted and there are things that are out there, but really what's going on inside is we have not kept our heart in check saying, God, I don't need that. I just need you, Jesus. Because the truth of the fact is, our hearts are all prone to wonder. 
And if you go to 1 John chapter 2, we are prone to wander to the things of this world. And you know what John tells us? The things of this world are temporary. So I was asking myself, what, what passage of scriptures do I use in temptation? So I'll start out, start out with the guys. There's a temptation for all of us guys to say, not necessarily I deserve a donut. I understand that. But I deserve this. That's kind of a, a, a kind of across the board area where typically guys could be drawn away. God, if you would just if you would just give me this, whatever that this might be, and I don't have time to go over all the lists of the possible thises, but you know what they are in your life. What it is for me is different from you, and what it is for you is different from me. But there's a temptation, gentlemen, for every single one of us to be sitting in this, that are in this room, say, you know what, God, if you just did this for me, then I would really love you. Instead of going to the Scriptures, so go back to Philippians chapter 3, and I find this really interesting. When I think about the word this and what I deserve, I want to go back to this passage of Scripture and Paul's words. He says in Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4, Paul's words, Therefore I, myself, for this reason of confidence in the flesh, also have anyone else that thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, as law, to, as a law, as a Pharisee, as to zeal, as a pro, uh, prosecutor of the church, or persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, but whatever gain, I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, I think it's easy for us guys to do. Say, Jesus, I love you, but you're not going to tell me what to do. And that is direct disobedience to the Word of God. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? That's where we are, right? Matthew chapter 18. Who will be elevated? The kid who walks by faith. The man that will humble himself before God and say, God, I need you. It's not about this. It's about you, God. I don't have a I'm not really good at putting word pictures together for ladies. Um, it's kind of, you're kind of totally different than me, and you think totally different from me. But I was thinking about First Peter chapter 3. Peter's saying some words that are really powerful to our generation of ladies. Because our generation... And I think of so far most all of the weddings that we've been a part of, First Peter chapter 3 has been a part for the ladies. And Peter says some words in First Peter chapter 3 to wives, to women. First Peter chapter 3, ladies, he says this to you. Do not let your 
adorning be external, the braid of hair, putting on of gold and jewelry and clothing you wear. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in God's sight. I don't pretend and I don't understand all that goes on, but I listen, I try to listen well. And there's a temptation for all of you ladies to say, well, if I just fix the outside. And I would say to you this morning, the outside is what really matters. What matters is the inside. And really what I think is really neat for me is I've been working my way through Matthew chapter 18, starting back in verse 17, think about temptation, thinking about, I really came to this. I've, I've asked myself as a man, what is something that I'm willing to do to cut out an area of temptation in my life? What does that look like for me? And so over the last weeks and months, God has just been showing me different things. And so one of the things that I have done, and, and it's not that because I'm watching, you know, been involved in gross sin or struggling with different things, are just things that I know me. So one of the things that I like, I like YouTube. Now, I, this is going to be weird to some of you, but I love to watch tractor poles on YouTube. So on my phone, you can pull up YouTube, and there'll be like tractor poles or, you know, just, and they're all kind of in like a little box. I mean, I got like 10 little boxes on there. You know what I kept finding? There will be other boxes that were not appropriate, and I didn't put them there. And so knowing me and knowing my heart is prone to wonder, I said, you know what, God? It's just probably best for me not to have YouTube. It's just something I think you just need to, I'll just remove. I'll just say, you know what? Not that I'm doing anything wrong, but I just want to remove that out of my life. I don't want to add extra areas of temptation for me. Because you know what I do? My heart is prone to wonder. Because there's something inside of me. Thank you, Adam and Eve, for giving me something inside of me that I just don't want the good stuff. I want what I think I really need will really make me happy. So there's times in life that, you know, I really want to have a grilled chicken Caesar salad, and I know that it's healthy. But there's other times, man, I just want a Big Mac fries and a Coke. So what am I willing to do? And another kind of neat phrase for the ladies is, I mean, I don't put on fingernail polish, and you all remove it all for whatever reason. You don't like the color, so you change it up. I guess it doesn't go with your outfit or whatever. I don't know. You know, I just know it stinks when you take that stuff off. So, ladies, what is something you're willing to remove in your life? That you know that God really wants to do something inside of who you are to find your value in Him, and you just say, you know what, I just... I just really need to set this aside. And so this morning, as you, as you wrestle with the Scriptures, as you think about because guess what? If I'm not willing to turn, can I say that I know Him? If I'm not willing to just say, God, I'm going to trust you in simple faith. 
just, just like this little person that Jesus put in front of us in Matthew chapter 18. The temptation is for me to say, wow, I go here, I do this. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus said to those guys who wanted to be the greatest, you need to go a different direction. Turn around. Humble yourself before me. Make it not about you. Will we do that? Will we be honest with ourselves? Okay, God, here it is. The last thing that I want you to see. Did we lose it? Oh, I probably hit the pulpit. But then if I do that, that's end up going to be, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Last part of the HDL. Will you humble yourself? Will you deal with temptation? Do you care about lost sheep? I thought this was amazing. As I'm working my way through Matthew chapter 18, pick it up in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the faces of your father who is in heaven. Verse 12. Why do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave and search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, Jesus says, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that have never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Huh. We're going from a conversation about who is going to be the greatest and he's looking at his future leaders of the local church that are going to get the privilege to send out the gospel. He says, look at this. Heaven rejoices when one more says yes to Jesus. So I've been thinking about that for me. And I'm not, I'm not here to give you a boohoo story or statistic story or number story. I'm here just to say this to you this morning. You will never have a passion for lost souls until you humble yourself before your Savior. Because he will never do anything in your life that you're excited to tell anybody else about until you humble yourself before him. Until you say, okay, I'm willing to become like a child and just come to you and say, Dad, what do you want from me? What do you want to do in my life today? In order to do that, you have to really sit down and say, okay, what sin am I placing as a more priority to meet my needs than Jesus? What is it? It's really easy to gather together as a family and talk about Jesus, sing about Jesus. There's no other name but Jesus. You know what's really interesting to me? I wonder uh, how many of us are just singing, yeah, Jesus, we love you, and how many of us are sitting in this room saying, what a beautiful name it is, Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm telling you right now, there are thousands upon thousands that are sitting in buildings today that are saying, yeah, Jesus, we love you, but you are not my Lord. You're not in charge. I will refuse to humble myself before you. I don't need your help. And you know what? It's interesting. Just think about this last week, six months, year. How many times have you said these words, Jesus? I don't know what to do. 
Jesus, I, I need some help from you. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's the individual that's going to be with Jesus for eternity. Oh, yeah, I was the guy over here, Whirly Bird. Thanks for the hat. I have my Whirly Bird hat in my office, Patterson across the front. Yeah, that was me. They scared me so bad, I always said, whatever, I'm going to be with you, Jesus. Now, 40 years later, I'm saying, yeah, you're my king. I can't do life without you. I'll jump if you say jump. Will you? I'll ride the bike if you want me to ride the bike. No matter if I have to get hurt or not, I'll ride the bike, Dad, if that's what you want me to do. Will you? Don't fool yourself. He is not your king unless you humble yourself before him. So this morning we're going to do something a little different. It's, it'll be a little bit awkward, and it'll be a temptation. You know what it's going to be? Just to get up and walk out. Anybody can do that. Jordan's going to come in just a second. And I know times people go down to the altar, and, and then you, I'm pretty sure you don't do this, but you do. You'll never admit to it. I'm pretty sure you'll never admit to it, but you do. Well, that preacher must have been really bad this week. He's down at the altar. No, no, no. There's no other place that I want to be is before him, humbly as a son. There's no other place I want to be when it comes to temptation, when that still small voice says, you know what? You better not look over there because you're going to get yourself in trouble. Okay. You know what I get excited about? Because when he's doing something like that in my life, I want somebody else to know him as his father. I want you to know him as a father. I want you to know him as a king. Your life will be free if you let him be king. If you don't, keep on running. But this morning, and I know some of you can't kneel, and that's okay. Some of you might just want to come sit there. It's even, it's even okay if you just sit in your seat. But this is my, what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to spend some time and ask yourself, God, is there an area of your, my life that you want me to humble before you today? Is there a temptation that I believe in a lie? And God, what's the next name of a kid or a grandpa or a grandma that needs to say yes to you? And you don't have to know their name, but just sit in your seat or down front and crowd to God and say, God, draw them in. Make it today. Make it tomorrow. You know what I know? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Highlands County that are not in church today. So as Jordan plays, I just say to you this morning, the altar's here for you. Your seat is here for you. But be careful. Be careful you just don't jump out of your seat and walk out of these doors. Just pause and say, Holy Spirit, Do I need to humble myself? Where at? You show me. Holy Spirit, if there's a lie I'm believing, I'm involved in sin, you show me. And Holy Spirit, make it soon.
that more people find Jesus in Highlands County than ever before so they know what it is to have a true father. Now it's time for you to listen to that still small voice. Thank you for being part of our family today.